This is Bloomberg Business Week from Bloomberg Radio. Hi, I'm Jason Kelly. And I'm Carol Masser. Welcome to the Bloomberg Business Week Extra. It's our weekly podcast. This is where we give you one of our full conversations from the week. And this week, Carol, John Winkleried, the co-CEO of TPG, I got a chance to catch up with him at the Bloomberg Equality Summit. It turned out to be more timely than anyone expected. TPG, of course, caught up a couple weeks ago in that college admissions scandal, one of their most prominent executives leaving the firm after being implicated. And here's that full conversation. Let's start on the news, as we do here at Bloomberg. A couple weeks ago, one of your partners, Bill McGlashan, was wrapped up in this now very well-known admissions scandal. You guys, I think it's fair to say, move swiftly, both internally and externally. I want to ask you, where you stand now with your investors, because notably one of the decisions you made was to go to investors in the new RISE fund and say, look, it's all good. You can have your money back if you want. How have they reacted? And then I want to talk to you about what's going on inside the firm. Well, I think um, a couple of weeks ago when this news first broke, it was a, as you might imagine, it was pretty shocking. I mean, this is something that we had no knowledge of or had no idea this was all happening. And um, so anytime something like this happens, you know, you sort of, it takes your breath away for a minute. Um, But we, um, you know, we reacted as you described. I mean, we tried to react, you know, pretty, uh, in a pretty focused way. And um, one of the things that I think we felt was really important to do was to make sure that we were communicating. And so we went out to all of our stakeholders. And by the way, that's both both externally in terms of our investors, our LPs, and also internally, um, because this is obviously a very important thing internally as well with all our people. But our investors, I would say overall, number one, are very supportive. Um, and um, they obviously understood the context that, um, unfortunately, Bill was engaged in this scheme uh, um, on a personal basis. Um, and so our investors, number one, were very supportive. Our investors understand what we're trying to accomplish as a firm with respect to the franchise that Bill was part of, which is our growth equity franchise, and also importantly, our impact franchise, which obviously has a lot to do with why we're here today. Um, and, um, and, but naturally, they have a lot of questions. They have a lot of questions. Um, and, um, and so what we've committed to our investors is that we're, uh, we, we've undertaken an investigation internally to make sure that none of the things that Bill was engaged in were in any way, shape, or form bleeding into the business. Um, We owe that to our investors, and so we're working on that. Um, We're going to go back to them and give them a readout when we're done with that and when we finish with all of our work. Uh, And uh, and importantly also, I think our investors understand that, you know, our growth and our rise impact franchise, you know, we're talking about 100 people, 100 plus people. Um, We have a deep, broad team. Um, We have um, our, our impact fund is now made close to 30 investments over about a billion one of capital. Um, and so when you actually look at the companies we've invested in and the work these companies are doing, I think they all realize that there is a bigger th- there's something bigger here than just one individual. So they're very constructive. The, you referenced giving you know us allowing them to take their money back. What we did, what we, we were in process, we were beginning to raise the second fund. Right. So we had some we had done a first close. And we went back to our investors and said, of course, you'll have an opportunity to reevaluate. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, everybody is comfortable with where we are right now. 
We'll have a readout ultimately of the of 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 uh, our internal work, and you know then we'll go forward from there. So, help us understand this in the con in the broader context of the work that you are doing inside TPG around diversity and inclusion. This is something that you really personally have taken on since you arrived just a few years ago. And we can go back to your history at Goldman as well, but, yep. but I do want to understand the current context and how not just this latest news mm -hmm. and, this, uh, and the McGlashan situation, but, but more generally, what moment are you at in your work internally? Well, I think I, just to put just, you know, the, the, the broader context of why I feel it's so important and I think why we feel it's so important is because um, it's not just a question of it, it, diversity is one aspect of it. I, I, I like to view it as a much in a much broader context. I think in the world that we live in today, being a fiduciary, investing on behalf of the stakeholders that we invest on behalf of, and also having an organization that people feel they really want to be part of, it's really important in my view, that you have, that, that there's some expression of values. Like, what do you stand for as a company? What, what, what's important to you? What are you trying to accomplish? So it's not just, diversity is one part of it. Um, you know, I, I like to start more from the perspective of um, what are your, what's, what's sort of your values as an organization? Um, how do you think about, just in the normal course of your investing activities, how do you think about what we're doing, why we're doing it, um, I like to think about the environment at the firm. Um, I start with kind of inclusivity, and then that bleeds into the, the whole idea of diversity. Um, are we an organization where people feel like they really want to be part of this kind of living, breathing organism that is, our, that is, that is a firm? Mm. And so I, f I feel like um, when I got to the firm, I think that we were sort of in the beginning stages of sort of getting our heads around that. And I think in the past couple of years in particular, I think this whole concept of sort of value orient or, or value orientation, um, what do you stand for? What are you trying to accomplish? Um, I think that has accelerated in a big way, not just the TPG, just generally in the market. Well, and I want to ask you about that because I think it's fair to say, I don't think anyone in this room would disagree, this is not something private equity has been good at. It has been... <laughs> Really? White, it's been male, it's been bros. So, bros? Bros. Yeah. Um, so why, like, first of all, I mean, briefly why, and, and second, do you have a legitimate shot at changing that narrative quickly? Well, um, first of all, why is because um, I think, well, first of all, it's important to me um, I think that when you, th when you are part of an organization, and I learned this a little bit in my past organization at Goldman Sachs, I mean, when you're part of an organization that is white, bro, homogeneous, you know, and then, you're, then you have a set of experiences where you kind of get out of that, that kind of, that, that atmosphere, you realize the difference. You realize the richness of, being in a much more heterogeneous environment. You realize the richness of having a bunch of different type of people sitting around. Um, some, some, of it's, some of it's subtle, but some of it's not that subtle, okay, in terms of um, the idea flow, um, who you connect with externally, um, you know, 
and again, going back to kind of what you stand for. So I, I, I feel like it makes you a much better, much richer, much more interesting organization. And your ability in our, in our world where you're trying to actually invest in companies, you're trying, to, you're trying to relate to and connect to CEOs or you're trying to relate to that are running other companies. You're trying to relate to companies that are prosecuting businesses where they're dealing in a diverse world. Mm. I think having an understanding of, for that, having, a, having a, a connection in some way, shape, or form because your organization is trying to do some of the same things, to me, that's a very important thing. So I think that, uh, so just kind of level setting, I think it's very important in that respect. In terms of changing it fast, um, I think, it depends on what your definition of fast is. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, 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 think, I think if you look at... Well, because your LPs have made it clear that well, this is something that's very important well, to them, Well, I right? think if you look at what we looked like, I, I've been there for a little over three and a half years. If I use that as a frame of reference, if you look at where we were three and a half years ago versus where we are today, I think we have moved the needle a lot. Mm. Do we have to move it a lot more? We do. But I think we've moved it a lot. Just, to, I mean, just give you some examples. I mean, you know, we have, we have focused on... Um, creating an environment that is more inclusive and people feel more comfortable and things like we have done as an example. We, we just, we just um, changed our family leave policy. Our family leave policy is, um, is gender blind. It's 18 weeks um, for the primary caregiver. It's four weeks for the secondary caregiver. You can take four of those weeks at any time during the course of the year. We have undertaken a program um, to with and we think about this by the way with respect to our broader ecosystem not just the thousand people at tpg we can tr we, we have investments in almost 250 companies of those 250 companies we are actually on the board and in some cases control in some cases don't control but have influence a year ago we set out to change the composition of our boards for every single company where we have control or, or significant influence um, from a gender and, and, uh, and uh, uh, diversity perspective. As an example, in the last year, we have made, uh, we've changed the board uh, gender composition in over 30 of our companies, and we're going to continue until we've basically touched them all. And in the process of doing that, I'll give you an example of sort of the importance of this kind of the network effect of this. In the process of doing that, we put together a listing of women who could serve on boards Believe it or not, there's 600 women on that list that we have, through our network, have connected to and basically are really um, incredible people who could play some kind of role in helping us govern our companies. Um, we changed our bathroom signage in all of our offices so people can use whatever bathroom they want to depending upon how they identify from a gender perspective. We, these are little things, and I'll give you another example that's a little thing, you know, but we have a partnership with SFMOMA where during Black History Month and uh, Hispanic Heritage Month and, um, uh, um, and these various highlighted um, uh, diversity months throughout the year, we have an installation of art in our offices. So people walk around and they see these placards and they see, the, they see artwork by black artists, by Hispanic artists, by women, et cetera. So we're trying to just really take a very holistic perspective mm -hmm. in terms of how we're trying to do this. 
to really move the needle. And I think we've moved the needle a lot in three and a half years. The hardest part of the needle to move is population, right? Because you can do it on your incoming the population. The actual staff. The staff, people. Yeah. You can do it on your incoming population very easily. So for instance, our 2019 incoming associate class is 50% um, either women or minorities. Our, our 2020 class coming in, we're getting close to that as well. Where you have a harder time moving the needle is, you know, the old white bro guys that are sitting around that you talked about that have been there for a long time. Moving that diverse population through the organization right. is more of a challenge, and we're trying to do that. But, you know, and I think it will take some time to do that, but we're trying to do that. And do you feel pressure from your limited partners? You're talking to them all the time. You know, you were saying to me, you're traveling later this week to meet with investors. Is this coming up? more? Are they setting benchmarks? What's the tone and what's the substance of, the, uh, of those conversations? Well, I would say, you know, I would say that it is coming up more. I would say that um, more of our limited partners are getting um, more focused on this question of diversity. What, is, what does the organization look like from that perspective? I would say they've been focused on things like ESG initiatives for a long time. Right. They haven't been as focused on diversity. I will say that in my first, you know, year and a half when I met with LPs, I don't know if I ever mentioned this to you before, but I was kind of surprised how how infrequent it came up. Hmm. I was surprised how infrequent it came up. And is that just because they're like, we're making money, like it's cool with us? I, you know, I I don't know. I I, I think I think that again, I think it's sort of the governance needle has moved everywhere now, yeah. right? It's moved everywhere. It's, you know, state pension funds, state retirement funds. You know, I'd have meetings with them and it barely came up. It's coming up now. So I think it, it definitely well, has the politics moved. of the country have moved, yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the current conversation is pretty, is pretty laser focused on it. And so I think that, you know, that is definitely bleeding into the conversation. And so when you talk to your former partners, your former colleagues at a place like Goldman, is, is it a similar vibe? And we were talking a little bit backstage about, uh, without going into what we were talking about backstage, but, you know, David Solomon has been uh, the new CEO of Goldman. He's been pretty vocal uh, yeah. about this yeah. as well. Yeah. You feel like he's moving the needle? I, 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 think he, I think he is. I mean, I think Goldman has been at this for longer. Um, I think that um, it feels to me like when I look at Goldman, and it's not exclusive to Goldman, but it's sort of like, you would kind of advance the ball and you get like on a steep part of the curve in terms of making some progress and then all of a sudden kind of you level out and then you kind of get on it again and you level out. And I think David is now sort of steepening the curve again. Yeah. I think he's, I think it's clear that it's something that he wants to talk about. And so as a result of that, if the CEO wants to talk about it, you know, a lot of other people are going to start talking about it. So before we wrap up, what hasn't worked? Like it, it, over your career and, and maybe more recently at TPG, you know, I'm guessing, you know, you guys are idea guys. You sit around and you think, all right, let's do this. Has there been anything where like, huh, hmm, well, that didn't go so well? <laughs> well, I think a couple of things. I think what doesn't, okay, just in terms of doesn't work or, or is not as effective. Yeah. I think that you can't just, it can't just be coming down from the CEO um, you have to figure out ways of holding people throughout the organization accountable. So it's very important that when you go through your meetings at the end of the year with managers who are running groups of people or running businesses, 
this has to be part of the conversation. There has to be a level of accountability, like it matters. And I know it's crude, but in terms of you know, how people think about their careers, if they don't think it's going to affect their career, or if they, if they don't think in some way it's going to affect their financial well-being, they probably aren't going to focus on it as much as they should. So I do think you have to do that. So that would be one thing. If you're not doing that, it's probably not going to work as well. Another issue is, um, do you this, this whole concept of as you try to accelerate um, and move um, uh, diverse parts of the population through your organization, uh, how, um, how, do you, how do you quality control? In other words, you want to make sure that as you move people through the organization, you're, you're bringing them along, they need mentorship, they need sponsorship, but what if they're not performing? And so you have to make a tough decision. And one of the things that I have found is that in the process of managing that, um, you, can't, you can't just promote people or move people along because they are in a diverse part of the population if they're also not being successful. And so then, you, and, and when I remember, this was back when I was at Goldman, I remember the prospect of having to let somebody go who was in one of those, who was in a, a diverse part of the population. And I remember, frankly, being scared, like, you know, I've got to do this, and this person is obviously viewed as diverse. How is the rest of the organization going to view it? And so what I did is I actually got together with a group of people who were from the same part of the diversity spectrum to talk to them about it. And what I learned was that they were as insistent on me, on me managing that person out as I thought it was necessary because they felt the last thing we want mm. is to have somebody who's just underperforming or is viewed as being kind of put there for the wrong reasons. And so I ended up getting the support of that group. So as far as sort of how it got communicated through the organization, that was very helpful. Right. And so I think that you have to, you have, to have performance standards for everybody, right? And changing those performance standards is not, is not a very good thing to do. Having said that, what you do have to do is I think you do have to, in my view, have reached down in the organization. Like one of the things that we're doing is when we think about partner selection at TPG, we are looking at um, women and minorities. We have a special process to look at them and make sure that we're, we are evaluating whether or not people at the right point in their careers are getting vetted so that, you know, and we, we, we are going as far in some cases as maybe vetting someone a year early, a year earlier than they otherwise would be because we want to make sure that they're getting the proper exposure. And um, that doesn't mean we're, we're, we're promoting them too early. It just means we're creating visibility in the organization. All right, before I let you go, got to ask, what does success look like 10 years from now for, for TPG? Is it different kinds of deals? Obviously, the firm looks different uh, internally, but, but what's the outcome? I think, uh, I, I don't think it'll be different. Well, only different kinds of deals in the sense that if you have a diverse group of people, you know, you may be identifying different opportunities as a result of that. And so that may change the composition of the portfolio a little bit. I think what success looks like is that if you looked at ultimately the drivers of the business, people who are running different businesses, running different strategies, 
I think you're going to, it, it will look like a more diverse set of people. There will be, there will be women, there'll be black professionals, there'll be his, Latinos running these different businesses. And I think that's entirely possible. I think it's entirely possible. And that's John Winkle Reed, the co-CEO of TPG. And Carol, what I found interesting was certainly acknowledging a lot of the challenges that private equity faces. This was for a long time a very insular industry, mm-hmm. small, tight, and candidly, as you heard us talk about, very white and very male. They're trying to change that, and they're trying to change it in part because they're getting a lot of pressure from their own investors. Yeah, very revealing conversation. Be sure to tune into Bloomberg Business Week Radio live Monday through Friday starting at 2 p.m. Wall Street time. Can't catch us live? Get our daily podcast for The Ride Home at iTunes, SoundCloud, and Bloomberg.com. You can get this week's edition of the magazine. It's on newsstands now. And we'll be back right here next week at the same time. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg.